Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today, kicking off the podcast, is my good friend Ethan Woodham. Ethan is a personal trainer, have running his own business called Pity the Fool Fitness, and also he's a huge advocate for mental health, especially in men. I just love what he's all about, and I hope you guys enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome Ethan. All right, I think we're live. Oh, look at that. Awesome. <laughs> Ethan, how's it going, brother? Not too bad, man. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. I might have to get the, the mic close to your face. I apologize. <laughs> First time, guys, so might get some really good quality. It might just be Ethan and I talking to ourselves and not record it, or this might be a good good show, but either way, um, I'm excited, man. But yeah, so I know last time you and I... We were going to see each other. It was uh, about four years ago, and it was the, the Stallions. Oh, man. AFL, back when there was an actual <laughs> team called the Stallions. <laughs> way, way back. Yeah, holy shit, it's been that long. Yeah, do you know, I think how we met, from my my memory, is uh, I think you and I always showed up extremely early for practice. Yeah. <laughs> One of the few people who showed up, and you are always thinking long snapping, and I just caught for you all the time. Yep, that's pretty much how that started. Yeah. <laughs> and then the rookie parties and stuff, but yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, but uh, when we when we did meet, were you were you personal training then, or were you doing something else? No, I oh fuck, I don't remember what I was doing then. I it was another life, it was an entire lifetime ago for me. Uh, what was I doing then? I, oh, I was doing security and bouncing more than anything else because I hadn't gone to school yet. I would have gone to school my my last year of football there, so yeah, I wouldn't have. I was I was not a trainer then. I was that the last summer that Stallion was there was when I started school. I started school in the fall then. Nice. And then I played Raiders when I said the first year after that. And that was the last year I played. Yeah. And how's personal training uh, been obviously besides the COVID thing that obviously that's couldn't do anything about that. But how's it been? Because I know the health has been a huge part of your life. So how's it been just actually doing it? Oh, it's been great. I finally found uh, found what I love to do. It's even when it's hard, even when I'm not making money, when I'm low on clients and just feeling like shit, like there's nothing else I would do. It just is, and I, I love getting people to their goals. I love watching people step into the power that they've had all along, and it's just, it's just fun. I love doing it. It's just a good, it's a good time. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I love working on that. I think that's that's almost like the the trick of life. Almost, it's do you would you rather do something you love, even though it may not be great pay at the beginning, or mm-hmm. maybe ever, or do you chase you know the big bucks? Maybe run a business that you hate, or the oil field, which mm-hmm. you know there's a ton of people go there because the money's so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's been nice to make that kind of money and then not spend it. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I'm not gonna get yeah. so much for me. And like I, like I said, even when it's hard, when I don't have the money, like last year, I took a really big hit in the summer, and my car broke down, and I had to drop a lot of money on that, and just never really recovered from it. And I still wouldn't do anything else. I, I love what I do finally for the first time in my life. So yeah, it's uh, it's given me lots of time to work on myself and and. Uh, Give me a platform for when I decided uh, two years ago to branch off into just sharing my story with mental health, and it's kind of uh, it's carried me through, giving me kind of a catalyst using fitness for mental health at the same time. And 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 everybody, well, I wouldn't say everybody, but most people know that uh, you take care of your physical health and your mental health will follow. So it's just been uh, it's been an interesting road so far. I started a business wanting to train the body, and all of a sudden now I'm training the mind and. It's just an, it's been an interesting road, but I love it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I've read a few books about the mind. I'm reading one, uh, one right now about memory and how to retrain your brain. And oh, 
It's it's difficult. You, it's, it sounds easy mm-hmm. to think different thoughts, and you can think positive, but then when you wake up, each day is a new day, so when you yeah. wake up, those same thoughts can come back, and and it really takes work. It's almost like you have to hit the mental gym. It's oh, not. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It and takes work, especially when you you know it's it's work enough when you're already at a level playing field. When you don't have things like depression or post concussion syndrome, PTSD, all these other things, you're you're ahead of the game, and it's still hard. Try to yeah. do that when you're down in the dumps and you're low and you're dark and can barely get yourself out of bed every day, let alone try to retrain your brain. So it's yeah, the, the, the human brain is quite a fascinating structure in all facets of it. Yeah, hundred percent. How did how do you personally get to the point where you want to you know share your story and be just an advocate of mental health and just bring awareness? Uh, about I've been two and a half years now. About two and a half years ago. Um, Avery and I, my girlfriend, uh, decided that I needed to to step into therapy, uh, dealing with a lot that's gone on in my life, and and so I did, and it was hard for the first six months. I didn't really care for it. I faked a lot of it. I just was doing it to do it, and and then I just had a change of heart where I was like, this could be a, a really defining moment in my life where I choose to actually get the help that's being offered to me. And thankfully, uh, my church actually stepped in and, and paid for a bunch of my sessions to, to kind of kick me off. And um, yeah, uh, my therapist, Jay Bueller, uh, if at the end of this, you guys need or convinced you need a therapist or just want to see someone and I can give you his information. I've been with the guy for two and a half years. Anyway, so fast forward about six months into it and there's just something about I was feeling some kind of way about my abuse and, and, and about my own healing and I thought that it might be smart just if I shared like a piece of my struggle so somebody out there knew that uh, that they weren't alone. My entire life I've felt alone. I've, I've, I've lived in that and no matter how many friends I've had and no matter whatever, like I've been alone. Um, people have known me my whole life didn't know that I was abused until I started telling my story. And it, and it shocks people and hurts people. And, and it's an interesting place to be. But anyways, it's been, uh, it's been wild because I just wanted to help one person. I thought maybe if they read it, maybe they would survive another day. And that was enough for me. Fast forward two years and I'm speaking at racial injustice rallies and I'm speaking on podcasts and I'm speaking, instead of speaking schools, if they come back in the fall and then, and, and I've continued to share my story and just share my process of healing. And it's, it's I've been really humbled and, and blessed that it's been received as well as it has. And, and uh, having people of, you know, in both genders and, and, and age ranges tell me I gotta keep going. That they have been watching, even though they haven't said shit. They've been watching and, and, and soaking it in. And, and some of them have started healing. I've had in the last week, three people tell me that they started therapy because they have been sticking to what I've been saying. It's really crazy that uh, that nobody like me has had a, has a positive effect on the world. And, and now with things starting to take more of more strides towards being bigger and better opportunities, mm-hmm. my mission has gone from helping one person to fuck this. I'm going to change the world. And that's just what I keep telling myself and what people keep telling me. And I refuse to quit. I'm going to change the world one person at a time if I have to. Yeah, man, I, that, that's why one of the reasons why I wanted you on the podcast because I, I knew from uh, just being on the football team, you just, everything you did was with passion, especially on football team, you're very vocal. And even on uh, Facebook, I always saw you just being very vocal about well, mental health, first of all, but also if there's any injustice or issues. And presently, times you didn't 
let your voice rest. You always uh, let, let, like, let your opinion fly. And yeah, I'm a liar guy. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> and I think the way you go about it too is good because you, uh, you express your feelings and your emotions, but you also, you also listen to others as well and consider their opinions, which, mm-hmm. which is what we need now. And that's one of uh, the reasons why I kind of created this, uh, my podcast is um, just kind of a whole bunch of people on, as I mentioned when we, before we got started here, is I think we just need uh, more listening and discussing mm-hmm. things because even though social media is a great tool and we can use it for so many things, I think there's a lot of uh, people just yelling at each other on social media. Yeah. And even if someone is in the wrong for something they said, we should let, at least let them explain you know, the reasoning behind it. And even if it's still shit reasoning and something they did was terrible, then we at least know why. Mm-hmm. They still get the penalty or repercussions, but then, hey, we had a discussion but versus kind of Blaming, shaming, everyone just kind yeah, of finger pointing, and, and, and it's hard. It's hard to talk. And, and the thing that social media has kind of taken from us, even though we think it's given it to us, is the ability to have conversation. Mm-hmm. If you pull up anything right now, it's people just fucking yelling at each other, and, and everyone's yelling to be heard, but nobody's listening to understand. Yeah. They're listening to respond, and, and and it's the hardest thing as a human to to learn to listen to understand because we're taught at an early age. Teacher asks a question, you stick your hand up because you're ready to respond. Yeah. That's not how life works. You need to understand. And nobody really asks you to respond. Mm-hmm. They're just talking. They want you to listen. It's happened more and more. I've, been, I've had to train my own self to say, when people, even when randoms message me their life story, I will read it. And then my next question is, thank you for sharing. Would you like me to actually respond? Or did you just want somebody to listen? Because my opinion doesn't matter mm-hmm. until it matters to them. Exactly. What I have to say still may not matter until they ask for it, but they have to ask me for it because otherwise I didn't have the time to digest what they said. I was ready right then and there to respond. Mm-hmm. And the more time it takes for you to respond, the more you can actually digest what is said to you and you have a better response anyways. It's easier to become empathetic when you take the time to just shut the fuck up and listen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's, and we need a lot more of that. So, so things like this in podcasts, just need to have open conversation. You may not agree with everything I say. You may not agree with anything everybody says, and that's okay. It's not about agreeing. It's not about walking out of here as best friends. It's about having a conversation, shitty topics, tough topics, easy topics. Everybody has an opinion, but to have a conversation where you can hear two different sides or agreeing sides helps the conversation go further. When somebody hears this and decides to have a conversation of their own. Exactly. Exactly. And then to your point, um, you know, with this whole lockdown thing, you know, people not being able to communicate sometimes mm-hmm. in the way they want to, you know, Zoom is great. FaceTime, like, we're, I think I'm thankful that we're doing the time that we do. You mm-hmm. know, I could not imagine being locked down during the, the Spanish flu yeah. 100 years ago. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's one, and this is more so in the States, but I heard there's, uh, there's one police officers deal with like one suicide a week. Mm-hmm. But I think during this lockdown, I think it was like five a day or five, yeah. five a week. So it just escalated. Yeah, every it's, it's been swept under the rug, unfortunately. And even I don't have the numbers and I'm directly involved in mental health here in the city. But it's been rumored and it's been said and it's been hinted at since this started. Like people don't understand like these, these atrocities, domestic violence and abuse mm-hmm. are going to skyrocket because there's no escape. Exactly. And you can take that and add it to the fact that anybody with mental health concerns, even people like me, being stuck inside, like that wears you down. I, I knew I was an extrovert. Everybody that knows me knows I am one, but I didn't really understand how big of an extrovert I was because in my profession, I work in a community gym and 
even being around people like that, I don't talk to any of them. Yeah. I talk to my clients, but being around people gives me energy. So it's, it was really hard to adjust to when I realized how big of uh, extrovert I was when I wasn't around those people and it was fucking me up every day because I couldn't see people. I couldn't even see my girls. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't live with uh, my girlfriend Avery. So we about three days in decided that I would have to stop coming over because I live with two people that are frontline worker, workers. Mm-hmm. And so for the first, yeah, six weeks or so, it was really tough. My three-year-old just wants to see daddy and I have to stand at the edge of the driveway. Like I got groceries and stuff and tried to try to come over like that. But it was hard. It's hard on, on Avery not having uh, an assist, not having me there. Um, the weight of, of parenting is solely on her shoulders as, as we go through this. So it's been, it's been just a, a fucky time for so many people and it's really been overlooked with uh, how much other thing, other stuff is going on at the mental health in, in every city right now is at a really scary low. And, and, and we've been blessed here with some decent weather where people can yeah. get out and now we've had stuff open up. And, and the unfortunate thing is because and this is my opinion for anybody listening, you, you, you know, calm your titties, you're just going to be okay. <laughs> the fact that we overlook the mental health of people when they opened it up and everybody just fucking left their house, mm-hmm. that's on us for overlooking the mental health aspect. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as a chained dog smells freedom, it's gone. Exactly. Humans at their core are still animals. Yeah. We well, got chained down... And all of a sudden they were like, there's a little bit of daylight. And yeah. we were like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. And we're going to see a massive uptick in, in people being sick, I, I would assume. But we overlooked something that shouldn't have been overlooked. And yeah. we're going to pay the price for it because now everybody just does not want to come back inside. No. Exactly. And, and it's, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard. And it's, it's all, it was always going to be hard. Yeah. And it is tough, tough for people who are bachelors. Even, I think even if you don't have uh, mental health issues, me- mental health issues mm-hmm. sorry, I think on some level with our phones and social media, I think we all have maybe a little bit of some mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I just believe that to some degree, but even if you're introvert, extrovert, just not being able to go anywhere and do anything, being by yeah. yourself is even hard. Even introverts are, are um, just like sick of being inside. Yeah. That's why solitary confinement is a punishment in jail because it's, well, people just go crazy being by themselves. Yeah, you know, it's an over punishment. I, yeah. I would argue, but you know, you wrote that another day. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, you know, just monitoring it, you know, it wasn't, honestly, it's terrible for the people who have had serious health issues mm-hmm. and who passed away due to the, the COVID. But I think it's, uh, you know, probably a few weeks into it, it wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. And almost instead of kind of almost kind of admitting mistakes and going mm-hmm. up to it. Because oh, even, I, didn't, even I was on the side of like, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's not going to be, I'm going to stay home. It's not that bad. Like, I want to go do stuff. But it, and then, you know, I have people close to me that are doctors that are heavily involved in the health. And, they, and I get messages from them early on saying like, it's, it is as bad. It's not like apocalyptic bad but it's, it's bad in here it's it's yeah. we're getting unfortunate cases that are are far along because people held on as long as they could and now that's and that's what they're seeing so it's, it's hard because you get misinformation and misinformation and, mm-hmm. and you haven't seen this before and where do we go for information and blah 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 and, and then we, we did really well in edmonton like like dr hinshaw like i don't know why calgary yeah y'all just need to listen <laughs> but she lives there. She the the post was coming from. Anyways, 
Em did, get, did a good job. When she said jump, we said how high. And and look what happened. We flattened our curve early. 100%. Early, early, early. So we, we, we as, a, as a unit, as a team, really, did, did a great job of of keeping COVID at bay. So it's been, it's been interesting as now it's starting to relax and people are starting to kind of understand why we had to spend so much time inside. Yeah. And it's not to say that it's over. We can see another uptick here in the middle of the summer. It's all going to depend on people and their intelligence level, for yeah. lack of a better term. Yeah, exactly. And if, I think if people feel if, if they're uncomfortable going outside or if you feel you may have some health risks, you know, um, maybe just stay inside for a bit longer and people who feel comfortable going outside, they know let them that go outside and they will kind of risk if you want Keep to. Keep washing your damn hands. Yeah. Yeah, it's just wash your fucking hands. Yeah, I think that I think that's the hopefully the good thing is maybe pay attention more to our health. You know, I think I keep my I keep hands everywhere <laughs> I go. Yeah. Car downstairs, upstairs, front door, in the garage, like that. You know, it's a quick. I don't gotta wash it. It's a quick hand sandy, and you're on your way. Just keep fucking wash your hands. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's crazy about this whole virus. It's, it hits everyone a bit differently because some people yeah. get it. They're over it. Quickly, don't get asymptomatic. People are just and, like, "What happened?" And but some people get and it hits them hard. And, some hard, and before scary. and before this whole COVID nineteen thing happened, um, I believe I had it. It wasn't oh, confirmed, yeah. but but uh, I had because uh, around I think around just January February I always get the flu. It's mm-hmm. winter time, immune system's low, but I got the flu. Typical season, and usually it's gone about a week, but then a week later I still kind of have the flu. I'm like no big deal, and then. Um, feeling, a bit, feeling a bit better, but then as I have the flu, I lose my sense of smell and taste. Mm. And um, and it's sad me because I was trying to eat bacon. I couldn't taste anything. <laughs> oh, man, it's just the worst. And then, and probably, yeah, and then I started getting more coughs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was smoking a bit of the, the bit of the herb during this, so um, I quit afterwards, of course. But then um, as I breathe in through my mouth, I took a deep breath, my esophagus rattled. Mm. And it wouldn't go away. And then um, remember a couple of days I thought it was better. Okay, go to the gym, work out. And then that night uh, my body overheated again. I had to go in the sauna for about an hour and then a bat, hot bath and I slept for about 10 hours and then I felt better. So I went to the hospital. They said I was on the upswing of the flu. Hmm. So for about uh, three weeks, four weeks, I thought I was uh, gonna die. And there's a week as well where I was sleeping probably a good solid, solid nine, ten hours, but mm-hmm. I woke up more exhausted. Oh, yeah. So That's I, funny when they said, like, if you felt sick in the first four weeks before this, chances are everyone was like, wait, what? <laughs> I had what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now back to your uh, point about mental health and something we don't talk about often enough mm-hmm. is um, during this whole uh, pandemic is I don't think there was enough talk about health in general. There was no talk about know what supplements or vitamins to take exercising mm. and it's just pretty much wear a mask and sanitize but hey don't take your vitamins don't work out don't get in shape stuff that can actually prevent yeah things. i think that it just it happened so fast it caught people up yeah there. like literally i remember when everything got shut down i was at work and there was a weird just a weird vibe in the air it was 3 30 on a, on i think it was tuesday there's a weird feeling in the gym and I was looking around and all the workers there was like heads down. They knew what was coming. I put it together and sure as shit, I finished up with my clients, come back to the front and one of the higher ups at Millennium walked by me and they're like, it's over, we're done. Mm-hmm. We haven't made the announcement yet. You have till the end of the night and then that's it. And everyone was just like, what? And like, you knew it was coming, but it just all of a sudden that was it. There's yeah. no preparation, there was no nothing, and then once once the millennium closed, everything closed, that was it. 
And so it happened so fast that you're scrambling to get equipment. And if you if you are huge into training, like most people try to create their own home gyms. Yeah, oh man. But even even people that use walking as as, as their catalyst for fitness, it, it's enough for their bodies, but they can't even go do that. Yeah. Excuse me. So it uh, it shocked people, I think, how fast. And that would shock me, and I'm a, I'm a trainer. Like I wasn't able to go out for the first two or three weeks there. And when you did, like, it was like being in a ghost town. Yeah. There's nobody here. It was, it was, yeah, it was just it was a very apocalyptic feel that people, yeah, were just caught off guard. And then you get the mass hysteria and panic set in, and people are just like, I'm just trying to survive at this point. And then even, even as a trainer myself, I'm just like, hmm, do I want to work out and risk, like, triggering my immune system to have to work harder when yeah. I don't have one already? And... And so, like, I'm one of the at high risk people. Like, I don't have uh, a very good immune system from having uh, meningitis in three times in my lifetime now. So, I was a little bit worried. And then, still, in some ways, I am. But at the same time, like, I, if I'm going to get it, COVID's not going to be the thing that takes me off this planet. I've survived too much. Yeah. But it's also dealing with the grandparents that we see multiple times a week. I don't ever want to see my girls go through this. I don't want to see Avery go through it. And and that's kind of my stance on it is I don't want to have to see them go through it. So I still have to take the precautions myself. Exactly. Yeah. It's nuts. And yeah. But hopefully, you know, as we let uh, the restrictions go a little bit, hopefully, hopefully, you know, we're a bit smart about it and, and hopefully it doesn't come back, but it might be something we live with, live with the rest of our life, potentially. And that's, and that's kind of what I think is going to happen. Yeah. There's, like, people are saying, let's get back to normal, and I'm sorry to tell you guys there is no normal anymore. Yeah. Oh, like, we're yeah. looking at industries that aren't going to recover. No. Um, they're talking about buffets. I saw a news report saying that they might never open again. Some people are saying they will. I had a good buddy of mine who was asking <laughs> if they are, and I'm just like, hey, you know, think it's the best idea they've already they're trying to ban shisha bars right now they're Mm -hmm. trying to ban this this group setting dining experience there's how many businesses haven't survived this already yeah there is there's like there's a really good so there's blaze pizza out here on the north side that i've never been to but we have one insured part called fire crust yeah i went by to grab a burrito last night for me and the girls and it was gone already wow like like cleared out Crazy, yeah. so it was like all of a sudden it sank in I was like shit we're going to start to see the effects of this first round and this first wave here right away with, with people not being able to survive it I saw a post this morning saying uh, confirming that many CFL players have gotten other jobs for this season already they've given up hope on it yeah. there's just too many unknowns like these are professional athletes yeah. that are just like fuck that I need to find work like yeah. so we're seeing the effects come out now so it's, it's uh it's a little disheartening, but it's also going to be the new normal. This is this has changed. This has kind of changed the way that the world's going to work for a while, if not permanently. Yeah, and who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? And especially with, uh, as I mentioned, we were kind of cut off guard, and I think most people just not enough PPE from what they reported. And, mm-hmm. and one thing I think, not a bad thing that. Um, you know, we export some goods and services, but the fact that maybe we don't make as many things in Canada as maybe we could or should. Mm-hmm. And, and should is the appropriate. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And um, obviously there's some political, like some outliers there with uh, China. There's obviously more discussion there, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, there is a lot of, um, even like going biking around the city, there's so many beautiful places, even in Edmonton, I never saw before. And there's yeah. so many goods and services that we could offer. And because it's, 
X million dollars cheaper to send it elsewhere mm. for a profit that maybe so now hopefully we can make some more goods and services here and more yeah. local goods. And well, there's been a really good, the community itself has done a really good job of saying support local business yeah. and trying to do so. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been, see, you see a lot more people not spending money at these big places because nobody wants to go that far yeah. and, and supporting these smaller clothing lines and trainers like myself cooking, there's coffee, there's, 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 there's small and local business for every aspect of life. So it's, if we want to rebuild our economy and rebuild it well, we we should be as a, as a collective whole working to 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 support them and as they're the backbone. Mil- multi billion dollar companies don't give a shit; they'll survive. Right. Yeah, exactly. Especially, um, um, well, you probably seen it where for the first about month of the 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 lockdown, you can only get like one quantity of meat only mm-hmm. because these these huge farms, factory farms, have to throw a bunch of their waste away because a lot of it goes to restaurants and yeah. food services and and that hopefully again we look at that whole food system structure maybe we can maybe invest more in local local mm-hmm. farmeries too so instead of maybe open up more farms around Alberta so it can ship directly to Alberta and same third in BC and yeah. really, so keep it local keep it local keep it local exactly and and yeah, in terms of support and everything going on I know you've been just uh, you're just advocate about Obviously, uh, would it be Black Lives Matter in particular, or what are I guess what are you kind of an advocate for during this whole time? Oh, I'm, I'm I'm an advocate for equality, unity, and solidarity. Um, Black Lives Matter has has its own organizers and writers, but we we fully support them and and what they're trying to do. We're trying to do the same thing, and and it's just the same goal of radical change based off of unity and solidarity and equality. How we go about it is two different ways, and that's okay. We need mm-hmm. to cover more ground, and, and we have been as as a, as a collective unit and as our as our individual entities. Myself, I was directly involved with organizing and speaking at the Be the Change Digital Rally, and then that kind of laid the groundwork for the fifteen thousand person protest on the following Friday. So it's it's been good to be a part of. It's been interesting to be a part of it because I use my platform for mental health. Uh, to help get the word out about uh, racial injustice and it's kind of blown up it's been an interesting full-time job since the end of may since uh george floyd was murdered i've, I've been non-stop going with uh making my own videos and, and speaking out that way and then being involved in the rally moderating the page trying to find better information new information um and then just facilitate conversation kind of like we were talking about before and and, and open the lines of communication and hopefully as that happens and more people speak out, we're starting to get more momentum and get more people's attention, and that's the the, the start to change. Hundred percent, I agree with you there. And is that uh, you mentioned that like between the two groups that you guys kind of go about changing or wanting change, but differently. And I guess for your group, whether do you guys have like a specific specific name? Sorry for your group, or yeah, we are just the be the change rally. Be the change rally. And then be the change, if you want to call it that. We have a Facebook page. Uh, Black Lives Matter has their, another one. There's We the People. There's Fight for Equality. There's there's a whole bunch of, of small spinoffs that are that are all doing their own work in the community. And, and there's a lot of really good stuff on social media with supporting Black-owned businesses. And um, there's a grant out there for up for grabs. There's two five thousand dollar grants from True Local for Black-owned business and, nice. and their way of supporting. So. Um, What's happening with with racial injustice here is is quite fascinating. It's, it's something this world has never seen. Yes, um, we, especially around the world with this protest. Yeah, we, 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 we speak on 
solidarity and unity and equality, but it, it's something the world's never seen as a, as a planet. We've mm-hmm. never fucking been there. We don't know. We talk about it. We, yeah. we have an idea what it looks like, but we really don't know. And that's no. okay because we've never fucking been there. No. And that's what's terrifying and upsetting. Yeah. And as as a as a, as a person of color, trying to explain that to, to non-people of color is hard. Like, you guys understand what it's like to have an equal playing field because you've always had it. People of color, indigenous, have no idea what that's like. We don't know what's on the other yeah. side. And it changes it for you 100%. as white people. 100%, yeah. And, and that fear is what's always made it, made movements like this stop. Because, and you know, people are going to be fucking butthurt over this and they can suck it. White people have had a solid, solid advantage from the time they were born. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. No, no one's not. saying that it's a fucking bad thing. No. It becomes a bad thing when it comes at the disadvantage of other people. 100%. Yeah. And that is what we're trying to change. All we want is the same advantage. We want the same treatment. And, and, that's, and that's it. What that looks like against systemic racism is, is terrifying for the people in power. Because that means they lose some power. People in power don't like losing anything. No, no. Yeah, even when you play as a, like a Monopoly, everyone wants to get <laughs> Monopoly <out>. is the <laughs> serious look into what it's like when you have Exactly. Power. You want you want the best properties, and if you lose the game, you throw the board, you <laughs> go to the- <laughs> literally a chasm for what happens exactly, in the most power. <laughs> even even games feel get crazy because they want to win, man. Especially if you're in a position of power and you get even like um I imagine like nothing against any of the premiers or even um our prime minister, but I guess right now having this much control, even if you're a good person, you might it might feel a little bit good because you're able to do a lot of things you want to do. Not saying they they're doing something selfish, which some people are. Maybe mm-hmm. lockdowns because of they want maybe potentially reelections, whatever. But it is it is crazy when you have a bit of power, what people could do. And yeah, everyone says money and power won't change you. No, go get yourself some and see just how hard it is to stay you. And it and it's it's hard. I'm nobody. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm Ethan. I'm a guy that played football. I'm a guy that was abused for over a decade by one of his parents. I'm I'm just this guy. But people are listening to me, mm-hmm. and I have to pray on it daily to not let my ego take over and remain humble, because the power I have to affect people in, in positive and negative ways grows as my voice gets louder, and it seems like an infinitesimal amount of power that I have, but I still have it. And if I ever start to smell myself and think that this is all me, I did this, I'm better than, yeah. not only will that be taken from me, it will show just how ugly of a creature humans can be when they get power. And I never want that to happen because I know what it's like. I know, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of somebody who has power. And so for me, I, I think that it's, it's quite a personal, I guess, vendetta to not let power corrupt me because at, with my goals, like I said, I'm going to change the world. People are going to listen. Yeah. And they, I have to make sure that they're listening to my message and not to me. And if I can stay there, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. But if I start to want them to listen to me, there's, therein lies the problem with power. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, that's probably is, um, you know, obviously there's probably some good people trying to do good work, but maybe the people at the, the very top who are controlling everything who don't want to relinquish power. And I think, you know, as well with, again, social media, as we talked about, um, I think 
not only look at the bad, but let's highlight some good things and some progress that we made. I think obviously there are some, as you mentioned, that um, people of certain color and ethnic groups don't start off on as a playing field as whites. And, and what that means is it's not saying that um, people are inherently racist and you're in a bad neighborhood, but I think it's um, almost the echoes of racism back mm-hmm. in the day. And, you know, certain, um, I know redlining was a thing back in the day. I'm not saying anyone's redlining now, but because it was a thing, and I think maybe because um, even pl- places in Canada, we haven't, um, you know, updated certain neighborhoods and up- haven't updated these now, um, districts and mm-hmm. whatnot um, compared to other neighborhoods, it kind of just creates a cycle. And, it's, and you know, if you grow up in one part of Edmonton or, and you don't experience certain things other people experience, you only see one side of things. So, yeah. And then, so then, so maybe it's not racist or anything right now, but just a, a cycle that we have to break. Well, and that's part of the system, right? It's when we speak yeah. about systemic racism, it's not like we're just talking about the police force. The police were given their power by somebody. Mm. Right, like it's it goes much deeper than that, and and it's hard to get people to understand that when we say systemic racism, we mean we use police brutality and the court system as 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 a caveat to that because it's the most common one. Mm-hmm. You look at how white people are charged versus black people. We look at the war on drugs and Reaganomics and 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 that whole blow the American politics, but whatever, yeah. still, still lays the foundation. It's, it's, and it's, it's a weird line because in America, it's worse for black people than it is in Canada. Yeah. But in Canada, people forget that it is way worse for indigenous people here. Oh, yeah. So when we talk about this and cross the borderlines, it's because racism has no borders. It just no. looks different. Yeah. So when we see things like America dropping bombs on itself during the Tulsa race rise, you, you bombed your own country because there was enough black people in one area that you caused an uprising and then bombed it. Like that is a system that is a high up call to let somebody bomb your own country. That is a system that is in place and has been in place since slavery existed. Yeah. That system is what America was built on. Yeah. The backs of slaves. It was built on it. You cannot tell me it is not in place today because the entirety of America is built on the backs of that system. It just looks different today. It's not as in your face today until a cop murders somebody of color because they, quote unquote, feared for their life. Yeah. And then we get to see the court system do fuck all for these murderers, to these murderers, yet you got a brother in jail for carrying weed on him who's in jail for 25 years. Yeah. That is the system in place that we are referring to. And it goes into many facets of life that we can have another talk about that later. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's a system that has been in place since the beginning of time, and that's what we are trying to overthrow and why this is going to be such a fucking hard fight. Yeah, exactly. And then think about the policing, um, you know, you know, the obviously again, there's, it sucks because there are good people who want to make a difference in the, in like, who are police officers and other services, but then it's those ones who, again, in the position of power, who maybe before being a police officer weren't maybe the hot shot or wanted attention and they abuse and use them and maybe they're potentially training someone and there's certain, again, not every police station, not every police officer, but there's certain police 
stations and certain police groups that's almost like a brotherhood and they don't want to write each other so it, the brotherhood is, yeah. is the same blue line that is everywhere a police unit is and don't ever let them tell you different the brotherhood is in place to protect them and that's it that's why we keep having these problems the good cops are in there sure I'm not saying there's no good cops no. don't you fucking quote me saying that shit because I know people already have their haunches up because I'm talking about police my dad's a cop he's a good guy perfect but let me hit you with a little ditty here if you see evil going down and you do nothing, you are complicit in the evil. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fuck who you are. You are. All that it takes is good men doing nothing for evil to win and exist. So these good cops that claim to be good cops, where are you? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Well, I'm doing it in the background. No, no, do it in the foreground. Do it where people can see and can back it and believe it and protect you and be there for you and step up with you. Because you saying you do it behind closed doors doesn't mean shit to people who are getting gunned down in front of everybody's eyes to see. Yeah. That shit doesn't work and it hasn't worked in how many hundreds of years. Do, don't fucking throw that empty platitude at me. The good cops are still there. Fine. Then it's fucking time for them to stand up. And yet you look and you hear stories. We have stories coming to us daily of police officers who are now out of work because they tried to stand up against the system. Yeah. And that shouldn't happen Recorded either. conversations about other officers threatening them for speaking up about something they did. Recorded conversations mm-hmm. about looking for reasons to arrest people of color for the fuck of it. Like, this is a system in place. And if you don't toe the line, you're kicked out or you're dead. That's how the system protects itself. And that that's literally what we as organizers and advocates and activists are fighting, as well as the good cops who are trying to do it. But the good cops have to take the stand as a good cop and not a, I'm a good cop, I'm a closed door. Yeah. Because that shit doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't. Yeah. And, and it's a hard line to take, and, and people can be mad at me all they want. Yeah. But this is not new for me. This is new for all the white people who get to stand up and say, I didn't know this was happening. It's not new for me. I'm not naive about how this works. I've experienced police brutality. If you don't mind, what would be some things maybe um, that you'd like to share about your personal experiences that, you know, you maybe in your encounters and if you don't want to... In my what? Some of your encounters of maybe what the the police force... uh, that you came across or made some injustices that you personally faced that you'd like to share? One of, the, one of my favorite ones that I tell people and people are like, oh, it's nothing. I didn't know that this was a thing until 10, 12 days ago. I didn't know that police, when they stop you, it's not supposed to be like a 45 minute to hour long ordeal. I was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was my girlfriend that shared it. A woman explained the same thing and she's older than I am. She got pulled over and explained to her husband why she'd been pulled over and he said, why were you there for so long? Just, just check, like, when they stop you, it's a ticket and you're gone. 15, 20 minutes tops. Mm-hmm. And it never dawned on me that my experience with police taking 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, when I get pulled over, it has nothing to do with anything that I did. I used to get pulled over for just looking the way I do. And you can't tell me any different. I've driven many cars in my time. Never had a taillight out. Never had expired tags. It got so bad that my best friend for... Oh, shit. How long did I know Travis? How long did I know Travis? 20-some-odd years. 
we used to live together. When he would drive and I would be in the passenger seat, whether he was picking me up from work when I was doing security or taking me to work, hanging out, anytime he would see a police officer, he would take his hat, like the hat you have on right now. A snapback is what he has on. I know you fuckers can't see me. <laughs> he would take his hat off, put his hands on 10 to turn the music down, roll the windows up. And Travis is as white as it gets yeah. because he knew that if we got pulled over, it wouldn't be him with a problem. It would be me. Yeah. This happened so often. This was every time we were in the car and saw a police vehicle coming or he spotted one behind us. His hat would come off. His hand would go to 10 and 2. He'd make sure his shit was out. I would have to get my identification out because 9 times out of 10, I would be asked for my identification as a passenger. It's simple. Yeah. It's that simple. Like, I can talk about the time I got tased three times. And I can talk about the time I got my head literally beat in because I was asking questions about why I was being arrested and why I was being handcuffed over a mental health issue. Yeah. I can tell those stories, but people don't need to hear those stories. They fucking know that they're there. They're just ignorant or blind or choose not to. Those stories are everywhere. They just don't want to hear it. So why the fuck would I tell mine when nobody wants to hear it? Yeah. But I can fucking tell you that my white friends know how to act when there's police around me because they fucking know what it's like to be me in this world. They have seen it and witnessed it time and time again. Well, why are the cops always around you? Why don't you ask the cops that? Yeah. And that goes, it kind of goes back to uh, almost like you're saying about mental health, but also um, training as well that, um, you know, somebody's going to cop and stuff, you know, it's uh, obviously not an excuse for, you know, the brutality and some of the things the police do do and have cop been doing. Um, but um, from what I've um, heard and, um, you know, obviously in the military, you know, when you're not being deployed or going for war, you're on courses, you're getting trained, you're on the shooting range, you know, you're kind of actively being, kind of keeping in shape, you're being trained, you're kind of always... Just almost in case something were to go down, you're kind mm-hmm. of ready to go down. But then, from at least from from what I heard, I could be wrong. But um, you get trained a couple months with a police officer, and then you're 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 like sent out almost into the wilderness. And mm-hmm. and um, from my understanding, there's not, not a lot of training in regards to maybe like say like um, say jujitsu, like hand down comments, so people actually know how to detain someone, actually had a proper maybe put someone into like an arm bar or something mm-hmm. to actually detain someone. Versus just a little bit of training, and then, and then especially the, some of the maybe the good ones, they experience something terrible, and then they maybe they, they think that's how all people are. So then they're have some maybe some sort of PTSD. So now they're in almost like a negative mm-hmm. mind state, and then now they're almost going to be a, a maybe a dick or whatever kind of word you want to use to other people right off the bat too. And then again, it creates this whole cycle, and then it's a huge problem again. And then it's a whole thing that's no one's addressing too is. Well, yeah, you, we, we can go back to mental health and talk about first responders who see some of the most ugly and atrocious shit that is not okay for humans to see. Yeah. When we, when we attack mental health as a place that needs drastic change, it, it, it also goes for them because if they can't get the help that they need, what are they doing on the streets? Yeah, with a gun. With a gun. And you're scared. You don't, you don't like, if an, if an everyday person who has mental health problems listed, can't get a gun. Why the fuck are people in law enforcement allowed to keep their guns when they have mental health concerns? Mm -hmm. 
That's in my mind it contributes to why they don't care about the mental health aspect of things because it means they can keep the guns in their hands. Yeah. And you can be wrong, and that's my I can be wrong, and that's yeah. my fucking opinion. I don't care. It's a problem with another part of the system. Well, let's give these guys guns to keep them under trained. Let's just let's just keep that. We can save money like that. Yeah. Yet if you actually dealt a little bit of money to help them with their mental health, shit like this would stop happening. Yeah. And physical and training. Health. Yeah. No, I fuck the physical health. That you know, these guys pass one test and they're allowed to stay there and yeah, I know I can outrun happy yeah. and I'm not the fastest guy on the planet. That's another conversation. You send these people that are fully armed to deal with things like mental health crisis and, and sexual assault crisis. And I know for a fact that when I tried to kill myself, the last person I wanted to see was a fully suited up officer. Mm -hmm. That's going to what? Try to detain me to take me to the hospital? There's my death by suicide, death by cop right there. Yeah. Suicide by cop right there. This it, it, the fact that you send armed police for people in crisis is fucking disgusting. Well, what if they get violent? You can you can't have a plainclothes officer there who's trained for non-lethal takedowns. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You can't have a guy that is plainclothes officer who has close quarter techniques who is backing up, not the forefront, backing up a therapist and a nurse. People who can talk down the situation and resolve it peacefully. There's crises of all kinds in mental health. Some people just go off the fucking deep end and yeah. want to be violent. Mm -hmm. That doesn't fucking mean they deserve to die. It doesn't mean they deserve to get hurt. They're hurting plenty. If you receive a phone call from somebody saying that it's over for them, who are you to show up and end it? Yeah. That is a cry for help. Anybody that deals with mental health understands that that shit is a cry for help. It is the last thing that they are going to do. And unfortunately, it's the last thing that many of us do. The final call for help. And when it doesn't get answered or gets answered and met with that level of authority and force, it's over before it started. And that is some of that shit that we need to fucking change. When we say defund police and people get butthurt, we don't need less police. Uh, yes. We need less police answering calls like that. Exactly. You're telling me that the traumatic experience of a sexual assault case should be met with an armed man? And let's be real, men can be on the receiving end of sexual assault, but I'm talking about the better portion and population of it. In my experience in trauma, the last person you want to see is anybody that remotely resembles your attacker. So why the fuck would you send a fully armed man to deal with a sexual assault case in crisis. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the response that we want different. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to have specialized training and not an hour on a weekend. That's can fit pro shit. Yeah. So, exactly. So you can edit that one. Yeah, they well, will not like that uh, comment, but whatever. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, like again, like when I first heard like define the police, the first I'm like, like, oh my, wow, like, they just want to get rid of the police, and, like, but then as I dug deeper, dug deeper What did you went, do? You went and read Yeah, I read. Yeah, instead of, instead of posting, you know, I'm not a big poster anyway, mm -hmm. which is going to be, hopefully, this podcast kicks off, <laughs> but I'm not a huge poster anyways, and, again, go, again, it's like, people want you to act, but then also be knowledgeable at the same time sometimes, so it's, um, for me, I'm a bit more delayed, but, uh, yeah, I read, and I uh, 
what I saw is they just want to reallocate funds, which is okay. So, and again, we should take a look at everything to do with um, policing around policing, ambulance and firefighting, and see how everything, all the money, where it's being allocated, how is it being used good, and maybe where we can keep the money, but where is it, where we don't need it, or it can reallocate to again. Mm-hmm. Instead of those 911 calls for mental health patients, or again, like that, um, that gentleman in, uh, was it Atlanta that got shot in the drive-thru? Was it Atlanta? I think it was Atlanta, yeah. yeah. Um, from my understanding, from what I heard, um, he wasn't um, a belligerent drunk until the cops kind of showed up. And, and he wasn't even then. And he wasn't even then. Yeah, was, he he talked to him for 46 yeah. minutes. Yeah. For 46 minutes, this man said, yes, I've had a couple of drinks. I've had a really bad day. I was asleep. This man, the cop had one mission, fucking arrest him. Yeah. When they, after they finally determined, he, they finally convinced him to take the blow test. He was already hell-bent on arresting him when they try. He starts to scuffle. You're dealing with a dude who's drunk. You know he's drunk. We don't even let people sign legal documents if they've drank in the last 48 hours because they can't make the conscious decision themselves. So you're telling me you counted on a man to make an appropriate decision when he's been drinking. He whooped the fuck out of two of you after you tased him. Not once, but twice. Yeah. Your taser only fires twice. What threat did he pose running away and you fucking shot him in the back? Mm-hmm. Like a fucking coward. Yeah. That like sorry, I get fired yeah, up because that shit. You know what? Oh, he he should have resisted. He should have this. He he fucking move. No, fuck you. That cop is the authority and should have the fucking training and wherewithal to understand that everything that happened was the cop's fucking fault. Yeah. For 45 minutes, you argued with a guy who was clearly not sober, but in good spirits after having a shitty day. And you have the audacity to throw that in his face when you shoot him in the back. What are we fucking talking about right now? All that training just disappears when you see color. Are you fucked in the head? The same day I watched a guy get chased down by a naked white man after murdering his family. When they started chasing the cop, never fired a fucking round. And you're telling me that they need more training. No, they need some actual mental health training because when they see black, their fucking training seems to disappear. Yeah. Again, Sorry, I no, went off on a tangent. It's, all, it's all good, man. Yeah. It's all good. Again, we need, um, again, more resources. So when something like that happens, we have someone... Um, you could have driven him home. Yeah, or call an Uber. That's why we have Uber. So hey, we, we have your keys. Yeah. Come get them from so, the police station sometime when I work this week. Walk yeah. your ass the fuck and, home and be smarter. Yeah, maybe give them a ticket. Hey, here's here's like a, a fine for being drunk, but hey, you don't drunk in public intoxication. Yeah, exactly. Give them a ticket and make them walk home. Like what? Yeah. Are you, like what are you so, doing? Yeah, and um, and yeah, and um, you like, got not only sorry, you not only yeah. that you shot him and then didn't help him. Yeah, for more than two fucking minutes, you shot a man and then registered no aid to him. Mm-hmm. You said, got him, in your fucking mic, and then didn't register aid to a non-lethal man running away. And you have the audacity to say, got him, and then not register aid. The first fucking job you have when you discharge your firearm. Like, like, it makes me, I'm like, I'm so fucking tired of having the same conversation. Yeah. Because it's, it's always the same conversation. Why is this even a conversation? He shot someone in the back. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's in all. the back. He wasn't even a threat. Two times your taser before you have to reload it. And even then, half of those don't have the ability to recharge like that. 
So you're telling me you, you shot it twice and you still thought he's going to create mass murder with a weapon that has nothing left in it? No, you wanted to shoot him because you wanted to fucking shoot him. You cannot tell me different and you cannot convince me otherwise because you caused your own problem. And then you did the only thing you know how to do. And that's fucking shoot your gun. Yeah. Fucking pathetic. Just a fucking coward. Both of them involved in that. You cannot tell me. I don't give a fuck what people say about this part of this. They are fucking cowards. If you and your specialized training can't take one human being down without having to try to tase him and then shoot him, the fuck are you doing dressing up? Exactly. I'm sorry. What the fuck? I'm a security. I'm a fucking thug for hire as a bouncer, and I have more training than that. I have better reasoning skills than that. I've had every weapon pulled on me, and I'm still here because I fucking know how to do my job. Well, we see some bad people. I work in the hood bars. I understand what goes on there. And still, my goal was to make sure everybody went home at the end of the night, including the assholes. Yeah. Like, I just do not understand how they can say that they didn't know and blah, 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 when fucking security gets trained better and knows how to use non-legal force. I just, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. It's nuts, man. Hey, man, I think, uh, I think though, um, people are, are becoming more awake, you know, with uh, technology, which is a good thing is uh, we are becoming more awake and we are learning more and people are seeing more resources and see more videos and just be more educated about all these issues. And, you know, one thing, um, obviously there's was slavery in Canada because obviously we're part of the, the British colonies mm-hmm. back in the day. And I was, uh, um, before, cause there was a story, uh, about the, was it, I forget the name, was it the railroad, the freedom railroad or, you know, you don't talk about the uh, slavery. <laughs> what was it called? I, I'm missing off the top of my head. I get it. That was enjoyable. I I lost your brain. I literally tried to process it. I have the words, but it's not coming together. It's escaping me now because I'm laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that seems so bad on my end. But, uh, oh, man. That's what happens when you record live and do editing, guys. But, hey, that's what it's all about. Um, But anyways, before they brought the slaves to Canada, just before that, though... We, so we we just abolished slavery, I think it was in 1833, just before they brought the slaves from the United States over. So we still had slavery going on before that. And there's, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, I think there's a woman named Viola Desmond. Have you heard the name before? Or heard this before? Viola, Viola Desmond? Oh, it does ring a bell. There she is, yeah. Um, she, um, it was in 1946, and this was in Halifax. It was Mm-hmm. I never knew this. In 1946, there was a, a colored scene section in the upper auditorium area and the, the lower scene section for whites. And, well, she decided to send the lower section, paid the fare. Um, obviously, she was told was she wasn't allowed. Mm-hmm. But then, obviously, got arrested because they said she didn't pay the theater tax. Mm-hmm. And that's what started a uh, civil rights movement on that end of things. And I believe there was... I forget the name again, I'm not going to try to say it, but there was a, a, a specific community on Halifax, northern Halifax, and it was just, I think it was just, um, um, just, just black people specifically, and, but um, that was like the end of the, the, the city line, so the regional, they didn't address plumbing or roads, mm. and in 1967, I believe, because of the conditions were so poor, they tore it down, so they kind of mm-hmm. almost... Um, got rid of that community almost. 
And I, I didn't ever knew that. And then no, it's hard. Then, it's hard to find and, good history. Yeah, and then all, and then '96 was the last residential school, and that's in our lifetime. '96. Yeah. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, and, and that's a whole like that is a whole level that people need to be prepared to read about because it's going to come up out more and more, and plenty of people are educated on it. But even when you first start to learn about residential schools and what happened, it's 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 one of those atrocities that fuck your brain up and it hurts your heart a lot when you start to when you first start to see what just how bad it was and and like you said in our lifetime. Yeah, and I think um, well, I'm 30 this year, by the way. When we 30. say lifetime, like I'm not old. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> oh, me neither. Definitely not myself. Uh, and yeah, it's crazy. I think when we talk about, you know, admitting that there is racism, I think people say that we have to almost, um, um, I won't say feel, I won't say guilty might not be the right word, but we almost have to like, feel like, um, that we're, like admit that we're a bad country. But then we just admit that, hey, there was things that back in the day when people alive then, they probably was bad still. Also, we can't change what they did. We're, just leaving, we're living with the repercussions of all mm-hmm. that. Just saying, hey, we did some bad shit as a country. As people back then are still doing it and still doing, but hey, we're, we're this is what we're and then hey, let's and then maybe and then again we had that more discussions with people in the communities and that's again, um, and this is maybe I'm just unaware, but are there any specific maybe like town hall meetings with the police and communities anymore? So it's still what's happening? happening right now is lots of like can be like basically community town hall meetings. Don Ivers, Ivers, and Ivers, and Ivers. Uh, shares them on, on Facebook when they're happening and for, since after our rallies there, our rally in the protest there's many more where they have to tune in but you have to tune in and then you have to sign up to be a speaker at it because it's all done by Zoom meetings still okay. and and so and it's hard to get your voice heard in those because so many people want to want talks excuse me, holy crap it's been a long day so in that like there is but the efficacy of such is lost online. In, okay. in my opinion, the, the, the conversation still happens. People aren't going to like that I said that. And don't don't twist what I'm saying. The efficacy is still there, but there is a much bigger emotional response when you get to visually see the pain on somebody's face. And even when you're talking, like you're going to hear a mic and you can hear that I get fired up when I get louder and you can tell I'm getting passionate but you don't really get the full view of it until you see what I look like when I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. And that's the human, that's human nature. So it's great, but it's also so much easier just to fucking slough off what's said. Yeah. You look what happened, look what, so people are, are like this, and I don't have an opinion one way or another. So yeah, you say. Say what we want to feel and discuss things. Got thrown out of parliament or whatever for calling another member of the block party a racist as he was trying to uh, speak up on, on, a, on a policy of, of reform and, and, and change, and according to Mr. Singh, the guy waved his hand, like flicked his fingers, like when you sh- sh- go over there. And that's what sparked their argument like that. And I'm, he called him a racist, got kicked out and, and left or right. It doesn't matter how you view it. People are calling for him to apologize, people are not. But even in person, Somebody doing that to you makes you mad. It means they don't consider your opinion. They don't consider you as a human, right? Like, I mean, I'm smiling at you, and it's still, it's just like, it's a fucking, it's rude. It's just a rude thing to do to somebody because you are not, you're showing that you're not listening. You're not hearing them, and you refuse to do so. You think you're looking down your nose at them. You're better than them. You're whatever. 
So when you do something, then you get the result that you had. You're lucky he didn't tell you where to go and how to get there. Yeah. If you fucking slap me off and I'm talking about something that literally has people's lives hanging in the balance, you're going to hear about how big of a piece of shit I think you actually are. And I'm, I'm not the be all and all. It sounds like I'm talking, and the more I talk, the more people think they're going to think that I'm just like this real angry asshole all the time. But this is a podcast, are you? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I come across and, and that's just it that's why I like, like I like doing podcasts because I get to uh, I get to talk how I would be talking to a friend I yeah. get to voice my opinion in, in the same way without without judgment and when it gets put out people are going to hear it and take what they want out of it and, and some of it will be bad and some of it will be good and hopefully most of it is good so when I talk shit to the mic as if I'm talking directly to you it's because I am if you take an offense to things that I've said you can feel free to have a conversation with me I I, I fully intend Ruffling feathers. Yeah. Because when I ruffle feathers, it opens more conversation lines. Yeah. You don't have to agree with me by the end of our conversation, but hopefully we understand each other better. And I, I'm always up to learn. I'm always learning. I'm, I'm very passionate when I find something to gravitate to, and injustice has always been it for me. I have always been that way. I, I grew up without an identity because I never learned how to have one. So I've found protector. Mm-hmm. And I was using my fist to do so. I was a very violent, very not nice human for a very long time. And so that need to see justice served has always been there for me. So that includes knowing both sides of the story. But it means that when I talk to people and and ruffle feathers intentionally, I do it because it makes people feel how I feel every day. When people do not hear or understand how hard it is how big of a struggle it is to fight a system that's been in place since you were born, since long before you were born. Yeah. We, we, we try to make white people understand by saying like that, that uncomfortable, that gross feeling you feel when you watch George Floyd get murdered or when you hear about these things. Like That is what we live with every day. That angry but helpless feeling, that uncomfortable, just devastated, sad feeling is an everyday thing. For 95% of the population of people of color and indigenous, it's hopeless. So now when we have our voices being heard, COVID's been an odd blessing. Yeah. I have said it and I will continue to say it. If COVID wasn't happening when George Floyd was murdered, we would not be seeing what we're seeing now. No. Everybody had the time and had the space to notice and still has the time to keep making noise about it. And it's cooled off a little bit. But it's it's still very prevalent, and then that's what the blessing COVID has been for 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 injustice and and uh, systemic racism fights because people had were forced to listen because they were stuck the fuck at home on their phones on their computers all day. It was bound to happen. It's been happening for how long? And but this time people are listening, and and that's and that's what we need. So so when I say stuff and get heated, yes, it can be biased. It can be in in a moment of passion, but. I want it to open conversation for people and not just fuck this guy he's fucking wrong no no have back it up with why I'm wrong yeah or back it up with why you're offended but if you're offended because I'm calling out injustice check on why you're offended by what I said exactly exactly and I think that's the whole thing is just hey like yeah you may be angry or you may may not like what someone says, but one, first, hear them out. Two, if you have an opinion, hey, voice yours too, and then back your opinion up and research, and then, hey, if you're wrong, yeah, you're wrong, he's wrong, fight. he's wrong, or 
whatever. But I'm an intense guy, and I meet people with equal intensity on the other side of the argument. But when we can sit there and have a conversation, it's it's a lot easier to see both sides. And and I've changed my tactics over even the last three weeks is because being that hurt and devastated, I was just angry at the beginning. Now I just need to understand. I need to be able to hear why someone in my circle would have an opinion like all lives matter. I never said they didn't. I simply said that black lives matter because the world doesn't see the same thing. So I've lost countless friends now. I've lost, I've lost a lot of people in my circle because they've chosen to continue to remain ignorant. And then, then that's fine. You live your life and do you. I'm not asking you to, to, to live with the fact that black lives matter. I'm simply asking you to acknowledge the fact that it is. That's it. Yeah. But you can't do that. You can't show me the decent amount of respect to not retort everything I say with all lives matter. Yeah. You can't respect the fact that hate crimes happen to people like me. You can't respect the fact that it happens more to black people in the States, but ignore the fact that it happens to indigenous people here. Like that, that's what we say when you're a part of the problem. We aren't t- telling you you're a shitty person. We're telling you you're complicit. Yeah. Yeah, and I totally agree, you know, it's, I'm the same way, you know, it's, it's not saying that, like, um, like, I agree, all lives do matter, like, it, sh- it shouldn't matter, it's shitty that people do judge based on the color of your skin or mm-hmm. um, clothes and tattoos, and it is shitty, and, and I would love to get to a point in society where it doesn't matter, um, that everyone's just equal, and that's where I want to be, but that's not where we're at, that's mm-hmm. where we're striving for, mm-hmm. but we're, we're at a point where, you know, because of... Um, back in the day, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, um, like or not, there was something called slavery. And because of that, we're now living in a society where certain groups of people don't get the same advantage. And it's not saying they can't get the same advantages later on. And Canada, you know what? We are in some ways better in certain uh, how we've done things, but it doesn't mean there aren't still problems. And, and Canada likes to hold the fact that we're so nice and so great. And it really, it, it irks me. Because people think they can't, that racism doesn't exist in Canada, and and, and and hatred doesn't exist in Canada, and bigotry doesn't exist in Canada, and, not, and I just, sometimes I can't with a level of stupid. Yeah. I just can't, I, I, and I refuse to, now it's too exhausting, I, I waste enough energy <laughs> and, and burn enough energy having legitimate conversations with people that want to change and are just stuck on this weird fence, but... To flat out say that it doesn't exist here is, a, is just stupid. It's stupidity. If you need the definition, there it is. <laughs> and, 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 and if you have the unfortunate colorblindness syndrome that everybody says they have, you're also stupid. Yeah. I, I, there's no such thing. There isn't. The world doesn't know what that looks like. I don't see color. Mm. I beg to differ. It's not a bad thing to see color anyway, but to judge yeah, why are you all why color. yeah, and that's where I'm going. <laughs> why are you colorblind? What's wrong with me being black? And again, if you are colorblind, okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you, but <laughs> um, um, but as I said, is is people say that, and it's just like you you are just a closet racist at this point. What is it? What does it matter if you see me as being black? Do you treat me different? Because that's what you're saying. Colorblind, I don't see color, means that you wouldn't treat me any different than all of your white family or all of your white community. I've never found that to be true. The people that say I don't see color are the same people that clutch their purses tighter when people of color walk by them. Yeah. That'll cross the street. I've literally <laughs> had 
um, old white women. And, you know, blue hair is like they're from another time. Like, yeah. But, you know, grandma's part of the problem. <laughs> Cross the street, seeing me coming down the road, walking home from, uh, where was I working at the time? Boston Pizza. Walking down the road, didn't even have my hood up. Just had my hood down because I'm smarter than walking with my hood up at night. Head down, had my headphones in, just walking, normal pace, not aggressively. Head down, smiled. All of them, all three of them. This is like, I say at night, this is like eight o'clock. Across the road, murmuring to each other, not taking their eyes off me, darting back and forth between me and the road, make sure I was still where I was. Like, you can choose not to see color on Facebook, but you sure as fuck see it in real life. Yeah. I've never experienced someone be colorblind, ever. No. I fucking, I do it. Yeah. How many times do you drive down the hand and pass somebody going slow and they look to see if they're Asian? Yeah. The stereotypes. Yeah. How many times have you called into a place and had a East Indian answer the phone and say, well, could I speak to the manager instead? It's small shit like that that you don't take as racism, but inherently it is. It's just so ingrained in human nature. Yeah. And that's what's so daunting about our task is that it's ingrained in human nature mm-hmm. to fear what you don't know, to dislike what you don't know. Yeah, and it's also um, one of the books for me as well. So the more, like, obviously, um, for example, the more something is repeated to you, well, the more you can believe it's true. And what I mean by that is, like, your name is Ethan, and I cannot convince you otherwise because all your life, some everyone's called you Ethan, Ethan, mm-hmm. Ethan. So. Even if it's subtle or certain things, the more it's repeated and that's all you experience, well then the more you believe it's true and that's all, all you can see. So again, it's hard, hard to break because then you're breaking almost, quote unquote, we're getting deep here, guys. You're breaking people's realities. So yeah. Well, that's, and that's the thing with racism. It's a learned trait. You're not born a racist. You learn it. Yeah. And people that are stepping up being like, holy shit, I have a lot of racism in my family. It's uncomfortable for them. Yeah. And it should be. It should make you feel like that all yeah. the time. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we want. Why should you be uncomfortable? Yeah. Uncomfortable means you're changing the status quo. Because the current status quo isn't working for yeah. everybody. Exactly. And and that's what we, what we mean when we say things like, we want you to have those uncomfortable conversations. We want you to get into that kind of gross area. Because until you do, nothing changes. We won't change. Nothing goes differently here. Yeah. And uh, I, I, one thing I wish is I just wish everyone played on a football team for a season because, you know, I, I played many sports clubs. I played hockey, soccer, um, slow pitch, um, school, and, and, and football. And football became my love. I overtook hockey even as Canadian, so sorry, guys. <laughs> um, love the game. But what I found is football, like hockey, it is a huge team sport as well as soccer. But I, th- I found hockey, you have your, your line mates. Or like your favorite person on the ice you pass to mm-hmm. most of the time. But then when I found football, no matter if it's someone is second string, first string, special teams, whatever position, um, everyone bleeds together, you fight together, um, you learn about um, your brothers on your team, you mm-hmm. learn what they're really about, you have those tough conversations in the locker room during practice because it does get heated and you do have these conversations and you come back together stronger because you get uncomfortable mm-hmm. you learn and then and then you come back and you go play some football and then you're you're stronger and then you're a family so that's kind of what I wish almost people have the experiences some yeah. sort of experience like that yeah it's been I always say it and you hear it a lot everybody thinks their sport's the best and I, I get it I played multiple sports but 
there's there's nothing like football. Football takes a special breed person yeah. to play because you, you put your line, your body on the line every time the ball is snapped, and people don't kind of take it for granted as as spectators. Those are those are car crashes all over that field. Yeah, those are dudes that are monsters running at each other at full tilt, trying to tear the other one's head off. And and it's a great sport, but the camaraderie and the brotherhood that football brings at least in my experience, has, has been really, really good for for young men. Um, especially, that's why I coach football. It's helping to teach young boys how to step into to, to true manhood and, and, and kind of, for lack of a term, sidestep that, that toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many teammates I've seen cry on the field. I can't tell you how many times I've seen teammates cry when we lose playoff games, when they realize their season over, what they worked for so hard is gone like that. That's a level of vulnerability that people take for granted. Men aren't supposed to cry. Man, fuck you. Right? That's that toxic masculinity bullshit. And football, as hard-nosed as it is, anytime a player gets injured, the entire life is sucked out of a stadium. Because people realize how devastating that can be yeah. and how it is. And the players on the team, the brothers, know full well what that feels like. And and it's it's just quite a fascinating sport because there's so there's fifty five of you. Coaches included. Those coaches become family the same as the players do. I lean on coaches that I've coached with. They're not much older than me. Some of them are way older than me. And the life stories that they have and the opportunities that they've given me and the stories that they shared have helped to mold me to where I am today. Like it's football is one of those sports that when you're risking your health for the other 11 guys on your team on, on the field at the same time and everybody's doing the same thing, it builds an unspoken chemistry and bond that let that'll last you forever. Exactly. And yeah, like I, I highly agree team sports in general, but football is one of those unique ones football. And, and I would, I would suggest rugby. I've never played but the same concept because of how violent sport is you develop that family chemistry that camaraderie that brotherhood that, that's really not seen in other sports because they're just smaller sports yeah and uh, I think in my hockey team I think the the only time I was captain in hockey I was voted team captain um, and the wee year we won't go I think it was like one of the most ethnic diverse teams we had I think we had I believe the backup was Aboriginal goalie I believe and then we had a couple I think um, either um I was either Lebanese or Muslim people on the team, and 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 then a ginger as well. He's a different gingers are different guys. No I'm kidding, <laughs> different race, but um, but yeah, I may have lived in yeah. Here, so I think that's funny. Or he'll one, yeah, like, kick my ass one too. But uh, yeah, and um, and then sometimes like the more diversity, the more fun it is. I um, I found in uh, my so- my high school soccer team because I went to um, um, Emmy Lizard High School, so I went to a North Side school mm-hmm. in the city here in Edmonton. Um, and on the, our soccer team, at least on the juniors, um, I was uh, one of two white kids on the team. So for <laughs> me, it was a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Things. And, and it was funny. It was the two whitest names, too. It was Peter and Ryan. <laughs> with, like, Ramon and Fodi and Messi and Godfrey. And, but, yeah, man, it was, uh, I was an amazing team. And, I, um, and um, yeah, I got to learn so much about those guys. And some of those um, – And you had culture lessons in there, too. I mean, how many yeah. times did, did Kita invite us over for – Keto's famous fried chicken. Like, yeah, you get that homegrown cooking from eating a skis from the states. So he learned that homegrown cooking from where he is, and he brought it with him. So you get and you build it. You get to know these, your team's families, and 
and and and things like that. So it really is. It's quite sports is just is a great equalizer yeah. in 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 a world that's full of so much hate. When you're brought together for one common goal like that, that in sports is is what this world should be like. And fortunately, we lose that somewhere along the way. Yeah. And it's 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 that that shit's got to stop. We got to stop losing it. So don't let our kids like I don't. My goal in this is so that my my girls don't have to grow up in a world that's going to hate them because they don't look like each other. Yeah. As Roxy is is my daughter, but she is from Avery's uh, previous marriage. She looks full white, looks just like Avery, and Amara looks just like me. And they're sisters, and they're going to go through life together and. This world that we're living in now is going to try to put them against each other, put them against each other because they look different, and that's a world I don't want them to grow up in. So I'm working my ass off here to make the change that needs to happen and be a part of the change that needs to happen, so they don't have to. Yeah, and I respect that about you. And again, that's one of the reasons why I got you on him, and why I had you as my first guest. Of course, I had I'm not saying I could have liked a ton of people. I don't know. I don't know actually know that many people, but. Uh, <laughs> And again, from, and uh, I guess I'll give you a perspective where I'm coming from with all this and how I grew up. Um, mm. um, so I, I grew up very, very fortunate. Uh, my parents um, busted their ass like many people's parents do. And they're, they're lucky. My, my father, um, the house we grew up in, he actually worked for that construction company. So I think he might have got a little bit of a good deal on it. So then, and then they just stayed in that house. They didn't do anything fancy, pay off the mortgage early. So then, so I didn't really experience any, I wasn't one of those people, very fortunate that I didn't have to get a job when I was younger mm-hmm. to help the family pay the bills. So I got to only focus on sports and school. And but I noticed um, um, earlier on when I was younger that there was just a lot of people who experience life differently. I do. I see people at some people's houses. Um, I remember sitting at my good buddy uh, Travis house in elementary school, and I think all their mother, I don't even know if she knew if she was around, all we had to eat was a small bag of ketchup chips and like, mm-hmm. cheese with sandwich or something like that all day. And Bob used to like my mother like cutting up fruit tray mm-hmm. for my friends, and like, it doesn't make sense. Like, and then obviously there's life decisions went up, but then. And kind of the reason why um, I decided to start this podcast, because um, all there's gonna be some fun ones and fun discussions like we had today. But um, I just, um, again, I'm, I'm very passionate about history and how people, what has happened and is happening. And for me, and I guess my action kind of throughout this is I don't know anything about anything. And instead of um, maybe posting my views on social media, I just want I want people to come on here who are maybe. In the, in the protests and who are active on the mental health or or maybe who are more religious and maybe are priests or, mm-hmm. or scientists and, and go to the base of the source and I can learn actively along with our, 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 the viewers and I can learn actively and then it gives other people a platform and at least another platform to share their views openly, unedited, no five minute sound bite and just come here and chat and, and that's why I kind of started this thing. I just want to kind of learn more about people. I love, um, again, I love every, I, I judge people based on who they are, not what um, they look like. And I kind of want uh, the world to change in that direction. So that's kind of mm-hmm. why I decided to start this podcast. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see where this goes. It's nice to be able to just sit down and talk. Like, I always have a mission involved Yeah, and yeah. when I go into things like this. And, and, and that's why I get brought on. But it's nice to, holy frick. Ugh. <laughs> Sit and just talk and, and, and just express feelings that sometimes I have to 
kind of push down when, when talking, especially like directly to, to groups. I have to show a lot more grace and, and patience here. It's just a buddy talking to another buddy and it's nice. It's a nice format, nice change because there's, there's a lot of, uh, things about what, how I get to speak and when I get to speak and how I have to deliver them. So they land well. So it's nice to just be able to, uh, to have to sit and shoot the shit for, for, for a change of pace rather than having a, an actual goal in mind and, uh, and a constrained time limit. Yeah. And, um, I guess, uh, seems like it's a nice, nice time to wrap things up. Yeah. Um, what, are, I, cause I know you're a huge advocate for mental health and obviously you're, you're a big voice in, um, trying to make an equal first society just, uh, and again, get to the point where, you know, we try to make it where race doesn't matter, where you're, you know, again, um, and again, maybe hired based upon your skills, not mm-hmm. trying to fit maybe a certain narrative. Um, what would be uh, maybe a message you want to live with, um, or leave with people and something you want either people to think about or maybe something you want to, yeah, just whatever comes to your mind? Uh, I think that the biggest thing, and, and like I said, when, when you hear what I have to say in this podcast or have heard what I've said, it's gonna make you feel in some kind of way, and, and that's okay. You don't have to like me, I don't have to like you. I, I hope you do like me and hope you wanna seek out better conversation, but in order to have conversation, uh, you need to be able to listen to understand without listening to respond. And I and I work really hard on it, and I still miss the mark a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I let my emotions get the best of me, and I get carried away, and, and, and you know, it always costs me something, whether it's some people's trust me or the efficacy of, how, of what I was saying. So I think that one of the messages that I think that I would like to leave you guys with is, is learn to listen to understand instead of listening to respond and understand that you are going to get weird amounts of pushback from weird amounts of people. It's, it's a part of this fight when you're trying to bring a system down that's been in place for as long as this one has. Um, it's going to fight like hell to stay in place. It, it has for 400 plus years and it will continue to do so. So when you decide to stand up with, uh, your friends and family of color and indigenous people in your life understand that when you stand, you, you have to stand. You can't half-ass stand. You can't fake like you want to stand and then see that how ugly it is and run away. We aren't afforded the option of running away. So when you choose to stand with us and stand for what's right, you be prepared for the ugly that comes with it because it'll fucking blow your mind. Once you start to see just how ugly people can be. And that's that. That's the one thing that I that I continue to say, and I think we'll leave with you guys is listen to understand, and and really prepare for the ugly when you decide to uh, to stand with us because this is going to get ugly. Yeah, well, Ethan, well, I appreciate, it, man. Thank you for uh, being my very first guest, and hundred percent want to update my my gear here and update <laughs> my studio when we get video and we'll get on YouTube and um, yeah, we're gonna have to redo everything and hopefully. Uh, Maybe be a continual guest, a repeat guest, and yeah, man. have you on. So I appreciate it, man. Oh man, thanks for having me. It's been fun.